Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. صباح الخير جود مورنينج دير ليسنرز يو ار ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 ريمبرد in English language. In today's episode, we will be talking to Dr. Reverend Stephen Sizer. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Dr. Reverend Stephen Sizer is the director of Peacemaker Trust. He was ordained in 1983 and was appointed Vicar of Virginia Water in 1997, where he served for 20 years until 2017. Dr. Sizer has a very strong profile in interfaith, human rights, and as an academic, as an author, and even as a freelance photographer. We were honored and delighted to invite him to the studio, and uh, Robert spoke with him uh, in uh, an interview that we will put over two episodes. So uh, stay with us. Coming up is part one of Robert's interview with Dr. Reverend Stephen Sizer. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen and listeners. I'm so honored to be joined by Dr. Reverend Stephen Sizer today, um, who's traveling around talking about Christian Zionism. Now, Christian Zionism is something that I didn't realize was so well-known and so big in America. And I was hoping that you might be able to tell us the size, but also what Christian Zionism is. Sure. Christian Zionism is uh, the elephant in the room in many ways because it is uh, the, the Middle East conflict and the reason why there's such a close relationship between Israel and the United States why, for example, you won't find a single serving senator or congressman in the states critical of Israel because it's political suicide, um, is inexplicable without factoring in um, the support Israel has within the Christian community. Again, we tend to think Zionism is a Jewish um, political concept. It's actually a Christian concept. It's nine out of ten Zionists in the world are Christians. And and that's Um, something that's not discussed enough, I think. mm, The the, the history of Zionism is is largely uh, the history of Christian restorationists who believed in the 19th century that God was going to bring the Jews back to Palestine as a Christian nation. And it was therefore the role of the church, particularly in Britain, to some extent America, to help facilitate that. So Christian restorationism preceded Zionism by at least 50 years. Yeah. And it was British politicians. Um, you've probably figured out I've got a British accent. Have, it was British yes. politicians who um, who facilitated that um, because they it, it coincided with 
uh, British uh, aspirations politically to control the Middle East, mm. uh, to, uh, you know, we, we were fighting France and we were fighting Germany uh, to control the trade routes to the colonies in India and Africa. So Palestine was strategic. So Christian Zionism today is simply Christians who believe it's their responsibility to support the state of Israel. And I'd want to distinguish between our, our concern and care for, respect for Jewish people, and I, it's very important we repudiate anti-Semitism or racism, but also recognize that Zionism today is a form of racism. Because what Israel has perpetrated... It's not a form, it is racism. Yeah. The last 40, 50 years, Israel has created a state that preferences one race over others. Uh, Exclusive uh, um, uh, healthcare system, exclusive uh, uh, education system, uh, accommodation is segregated. 90% of the land uh, of Israel can only be settled by uh, Jews. So it's a deeply divided yeah. society, and to have Christians support that for uh, for religious reasons is deeply troubling. Hence, uh, why I'm here talking to you. So, so when, when we say cause they support Israel regardless, and I know that uh, in some of the you know the, the, they prophesize that uh, God gave the land to the Jews, mm. and that they are the chosen people. Now, this is something that I have become relatively new to, but I travelled to Palestine not long ago. And I asked a lot of Jewish people, the Israelis, why are you here? And this was in Hebron. And I got told, and with a villament in the eyes, very, very hard, that God gave us this land. Now, these people believe it. Mm. Unequivocally, they believe it. But tell me about the chosen people and the ideology behind mm. it, because Christians are saying that the Jews have to go to Israel because God said so. How, how does this work? Because I thought religion was actually all-inclusive. Yeah. It, it's it's a, a conviction that is not exclusive to Zionists. If you go back in history, you'll see how the early settlers in America believed they were the chosen people and God had yeah. given them the land, and that justified um, forcibly removing or wiping out the uh, North American Indians. Uh, dare I say it, the same theology was used here in Australia mm. at some point in history. It's, it's true in, uh, in, in Africa, uh, South Africa, um, before the 60s, the Dutch Africana Church justified apartheid uh, theologically. So chosenness is not an exclusive reserve okay. of Zionists, but it's probably the last remaining uh, country in the world where uh, religion is used uh, to justify um, the occupation of land and, and the theft of land from the indigenous people, hence the Palestinians. Mm. So I think that the, 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 the force with which Zionists claim to be the chosen people and claim the land are based on divine right is an indication of their guilt and their insecurity and their fear. They've got to justify it based on promises that they believe God made 4,000 years ago. I've spent quite a bit of my life deconstructing that theology biblically because if we're going to change the paradigm in the Middle East, if we're going to be part of the solution rather than the problem and help bring justice and peace between Jews and and Palestinians, we've got to treat them both equally, and we've got to deconstruct a theology that justifies racism well, and justifies ethnic about? cleansing. Isn't, isn't that what religion's about, though, that we're all God's people? We're supposed to be equal? 
completely completely um what what i've done uh, in in my books and in my presentations and as others have is look back at the hebrew scriptures and the christian scriptures to look at these concepts of chosenness and land and if we take them one at a time just take the land for example the promises in the bible about the land emphasize that the land belongs to god and that his people whoever they are are tenants and, you know, there's a difference That's between beautiful. leasehold and freehold. Yeah. God was giving them leasehold, not freehold, but they assumed they were being mm. given freehold. They got the land. No, they didn't. And they were for everybody. They were aliens and strangers. Yeah. And their residence in the land, the, the, the blessings they enjoyed, was conditional on faithful obedience. You obey me and you can stay, rebel and you're out. And it happened over and over again. That's fair enough. That's actually fair enough. You know, yeah. so, so the land was never given to the Jewish people as an everlasting inheritance, full stop. The land was to be shared and the irony is over and over again um in the in the bible they were told to share the land um you know as a christian theologian when something is said once in the bible i accept it when something is said twice in two verses it's there for emphasis but when god says something three times in three consecutive verses he's saying something special he's meaning business exactly <laughs> and and then let's just give you one example uh, ezekiel is a, is a prophet writing to god's people in exile and promising they can return to the land as long as they're good boys and girls. And he says in Ezekiel 47, you're to distribute the land according to the tribes of Israel. Okay. You are to allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and the foreigners residing among you. You are to consider them native-born Israelites. Along with you, they are to be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And so he says that three times, share the land, share the inheritance with the foreigners in the land. So if you want a solution today, two-state or one-state, the Bible actually affirms the one-state solution. Treat everyone the same, equal citizenship. Yeah. That's that's how it is here in Australia. That's how it is in the UK. Mm. You're born somewhere. You get equal rights, yeah. not based on your color or your religion. When we come to chosenness, um, you know, they've turned it into a noun rather than a verb. You have to say chosen for what? God had chosen. Well, that's a very good question. God had chosen yeah. the, the, the Jewish people in the Old Testament. By the way, that was an inclusive term. It wasn't a racial term. It was God's people of different nationalities were called yeah. Jews. But they were called to be his witnesses, his light to the Gentiles to show what what worship of God and obedience of God would look like in your marriages, in your relationships, your ethics, your work, and so on. So they were chosen to be a role model for other nations. But they turned it into a noun. Well, they're not, a, they're not a role model now. <laughs> he would name. be very, very it's disappointed. I'm chosen. It's okay. like saying yeah. I'm special. Yep. You know, I'm British. I'm white. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's racism. So when we look at that in the Bible, we see that God's people is always inclusive and and that they were there to serve rather than uh, to, to take. They were there to give rather than to take. And uh, and in the New Testament, <clears throat> the word chosen is only ever used of those who acknowledge Jesus. So at a Christian level, if we're talking right. theologically, chosen is never used of the Jews in the New Testament. So it's any person that recognizes Jesus will be the chosen. part of the chosen. And they are the inheritors, it says in Romans and other passages, are the inheritors of the promises God made to Abraham. So the children of Abraham are those who acknowledge the God of Abraham. But they've taken this to a whole new level. It's not, nothing to do with race. It has yeah. a great deal to do with faith. Because I know that, so Christian Zionism, going back to that, they're teaching something fundamentally different than that, aren't they? They are actually teaching 
Now, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's a very, very dangerous thing to be teaching people, especially their children, that you're better than others. Mm. This land is ours because God gave it to us. That's going to be a very, very hard thing to break down the track. Now, they are teaching this, aren't they? Mm. The Christian Zionists plus the, the, the Jewish people in Israel are teaching this as well. Yes. We, we recently in the UK uh, celebrated, I wish we'd repented, but it was, a, it was a marking of the 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. Disgusting. Disgusting that it she got a, up a and did that. a declaration that Britain uh, promised the land to the Jews while promising to protect the rights of the... The indigenous population. No, we, no, we called them the non-Jewish, and it's always worrying when we call anyone non-something. And it didn't include the word political. It said the civil rights. But we'd always, we'd never intended to keep that promise because Britain and France had done a deal in the First World War, the secret Sykes-Picot yeah. agreement, that we were going to Not keep so the secret. Land, we were going to keep the <laughs> land for ourselves. Uh, and in fact, in a letter to, that uh, Balfour wrote to Lord Curzon about two years later, he said, we never intended to share the land with the Arabs. We don't trust them. He said, uh, Zionism, be it right or wrong, uh, good or real, is in uh, age-long traditions of far more profound thought than the, the, the needs or sentiments of the 900,000 Arabs who now inherit mm. that land. And then he said this. He said, um, uh, Britain has made no statement of fact, which is not in the letter they've always intended to violate. So he was admitting yeah. that they'd intended to violate. So in Britain, we were calling on the British government to say sorry, to say we delivered one half of the Balfour Declaration, but not the other half. And we actually modelled our campaign on the sorry campaign from Australia. When, you know, it was a long history of a campaign that eventually got your Prime Minister, your government to say we're sorry to the to the Aborigines. Yeah. We try to use that and say we've got to do the same, but our government was so in, in in bed with the with the Zionist lobby that they were not prepared to do that. They were they were celebrating that they had helped. Uh, as, the did state of as did Turnbull. He, I mean, he's celebrating everything that's going on yeah. as well, and so I mean, um, it's yeah. it's a disgrace to to hear it. Um, how what was the what was the feedback like though when you're trying to get that? Was it, we, were you labelled anti-Semitic? Uh, that's, been, that's been thrown at uh, many of us politicians and church leaders. Uh, you take that as given. Um, but, the yeah, we've had a number of key meetings in London uh, marking the Balfour Declaration, and we've had politicians uh, identify and support the campaign, uh, but um, there's, there's no possibility of the, the British government budging on no. this. It's ironic because uh, Britain, along with Europe and the United States and Russia and the EU and the UN, all recognise the two-state solution. But when it comes to the, uh, the, the application of that in recognising a Palestinian state, they won't do that. So it's hypocritical. It's entirely inconsistent. Mm. It's tell, a sham. Tell me, with, with Christian Zionism, how, how big a movement is it? Because I, I'd heard little bits and pieces of it. And I thought, yeah, you know, you hear about it, mm. but how big is it? Well, the there was some there was a survey recently in Christianity Today where they surveyed Americans on their attitude to uh, Israel, and they found that twenty five percent of Americans regard it as their religious responsibility to support Israel. So twenty five percent of Christians in America, minimum. When you look at the white Americans, it was sixty three percent. Um, which explains why there's been such, a, a such enthusiasm for Donald Trump. Um, Christian Zionists themselves and their organizations claim uh, between 20 and 100 million supporters 
in America. Between 20, 20 and 100 million. So when you talk about And that's out of 330 Zion- odd million in America. When you talk about Zionism, it is it, nine out of 10 Zionists are Christians. It's not a Jewish yeah. uh, system. It is a largely a Christian uh, conviction that, and it's dressed up theologically. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Armageddon earlier. Uh, a, a colleague, Gershon Gorenberg, a Jewish theologian, he wrote a book called uh, The End of Days. He says, the problem with your theology is that we Jews are act three in a four act play. Wow. Okay. We're not around. You know, we yeah. get nuked. Yeah. Um, which is why many, many uh, of our Jewish friends are quite uh, reluctant to welcome or embrace Christian Zionism because it is a, it's, it's a poison chalice. So, so with the moon, is that something that we should be worried about? I mean, from a um, we, we always talk about, you know, the Muslims have a, you know, a bad ideology of certain things, and they're the ones that totally in the media get. Mm. Um, there absolutely. are there are different uh, strands within Christian Zionism, and and you will find many, many, if you like, sincere, simple Christians who've been taught through their pulpits or through books they've read or the influence of television evangelists that somehow they're, they're receiving blessing, material blessing, because they support Israel. So it's a form of prosperity gospel. Keep, you know, keep paying your dues and God will look after you. God will bless you. You can't, you can't convert that, can no. you? I mean, that sort of belief is... Well, I try to by, by taking them back to the Bible and showing yeah. that deconstruct it theologically, biblically, and it doesn't take a lot. It's like a balloon of hot air. You, don't, you only need one pin to burst a balloon. Yeah. Um, but, but within the movement, there are those who are much more aggressive militarily and politically, and uh, people like John Hagee uh, is one example. He said recently, the United States must join Israel in a preemptive military strike against Iran to fulfill biblical prophecy uh, and speed the return of Christ. Now that's no different to uh, ISIS, no different to um, you know religious Zionist settlers who believe that the Messiah won't come by himself. We should bring him by fighting. It's apocalyptic. It's confrontational. It demonizes Islam, and there's a deep, deep distrust within Zionism, Christian Zionism, for the United Nations, international law, because they believe their Bible or their interpretation of the Bible trumps law, international law. So it's a form of exceptionalism. Uh, and it's it's just simply in defending um, uh, apartheid. It's it's justifying apartheid on religious grounds. Which so, is- so when we have these intifadas, they, they're sort of they're saying, look, this could be the time. Things are starting to happen. There's going to be deaths. It could be the coming. Let's you know kill more Palestinians or kill more Christians. I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? No. Um, what they tend to do is to deflect criticism because. You know, when when this movement began in the 19th century, colonialism was the, was the primary export from Europe. We were colonizing the world. We were introducing these concepts. It was the done thing, wasn't it? It was the done yeah. thing. You know, the, the 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 natives, if you like, were uncivilized. They were they were they needed civilizing, and so had Zionism uh, with with British and American support. Uh, been able to create a state in the in the 1880s, 1890s, or earlier, then it probably would have got away with it because they would have wiped out the Palestinians course, by then. Of course, but the First World War intervened, then the Depression, then the Second World War. So, um, coincidentally, South Africa declared independence in 1948, and Israel was declared a state in 1948. But they were like like uh, children that were born late, mm. and and by the time they got their 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 their, their f- version of Zionism. Uh, in, uh, 
they were implementing it in terms of segregation, forcing the Palestinians into their their Bantustans. Most of the world had turned against apartheid. They turned against that form of racism. It's so explicit in your face. Uh, so they have a hard time defending it. So they use the Bible, you know, exceptionalism. But again, if you're trying to deflect criticism, uh, the, the most obvious way is to make your opponents appear worse than you are. Hence, anti-Semitism. If, if, uh, you know, if, if you can't convince someone, then you demonize them. Hence, you are accused of anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial, uh, associating with uh, with uh, terrorism. Just just on that, then we're touching on anti-Semitism, and I know that you've been labelled an anti-Semite, uh, and you know you you get attacked quite a bit. And uh, I think this week you've had a few people having a go. Tell us about that and what they've done, but also how it's affected your your work. I think the first time you're accused of anti-Semitism in print, um, it's it's a shock, and it's like like being exposed. It's like having six 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 on your forehead, and everyone wants to avoid you. Um, so Melanie, you can understand the the Christians not yeah, wanting to be labelled that. Melanie Phillips, uh, who's a far right journalist in this in, in the UK, was wrote an article in the Spectator. Uh, Boris Johnson was the editor. Oh, fantastic. And, and, and the front cover <laughs> had a picture of, uh, uh, of an Anglican priest, collar and everything, with a little church behind him, burning an Israeli flag. And it was called Christians Who Hate the Jews. And it was a critique of my bishop, John Gladwin, me, the Bishop of Jerusalem, and a few others. But yep. she was trying to rubbish us. Um, the strategy that they use... Um, I've I've experienced four of the five levels. The first level is that all? Is, so you got one to go. <laughs> that's one I don't want to experience. The first one is um, to try and influence you to to buy you. So you get invited as a clergyman to come to the Holy Land, all expenses paid, subsidised tour, meet the meet meet the people, and and you buy the Israeli script so that you'll go back and take other groups. And, and repeat that with your tour so, groups. So you did this? I did this. I repent. I did that. Um, I confess, I mean. And, um, but you only have to get off the bus and talk to a few Palestinians and you realize there's another script. Oh, yeah. They're not terrorists. They're not pickpockets. They're human beings. They love their kids. And actually, they are the Christians. You know, most, most of the Christians in, in Israel, Palestine, are Palestinians. And when you realize they've been demonized and they've been ostracized and they've been hidden behind walls, uh, you, feel, you feel stupid having your little communion service on the Sea of Galilee when you could have worshipped with them on Sunday in a real wow. Christian church with real Christians. Um, and that was something that dawned on you. Yeah, yeah. So I began to question wow. it. And, and so I, I, Thanks to their I, tour. Stopped, I stopped taking the subsidies. So the tour helped? Yeah. Converting you oh, back yes. to the... Well, that's it. When you see the truth, it's hard to unsee it. Which is why they don't want you to talk. Well, to normally the Palestinians. they don't. I know when I was there, I saw the buses go through, and they wouldn't stop. Ninety-five so. percent of tour groups have no contact yeah. with the local Christians. I did my master's thesis looking at the ethics of til- uh, pilgrimages, um, but but when I began to write articles questioning the Zionist script and uh, the agenda, then you get uh, the second level, which is intimidation, and so you get the emails, the phone calls, the criticisms. Articles uh, critical of you. And, and uh, these are, are these are big numbers, so it's orchestrated. Uh, it is orchestrated. Yeah. They, people in the Hasbro movement get paid to write letters uh, to complain about you, uh, to phone you up. So people would stand up in the middle of presentations and shout me down, uh, accuse me yeah. of all manner of things. They try and shame you. Uh, and now, if that intimidation doesn't work. Uh, then they've got to isolate you. That's the third element. And so they'll intimidate others. 
So they went for my publisher. They went for some of the charities I was working with. One guy wrote to all of my church leaders and warned them that they should leave the church or that they should get rid of me because I was an anti-Semite. Uh, or that I, I was, I was in league with the Iranians uh, or, you know. Oh, with, really? Yeah. Um, Terrorist supporter? Yeah, yeah, the works. So they will, and so my bishop would get letters. There was one occasion I said to him, you probably get letters like this all the time about clergy. He said, well, actually, I don't. Oh, this was the first one, so it was a welcome. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> um, and so they will intimidate others. So you get invited to give talk somewhere and then, then you'll get disinvited. And it's because they put pressure on them to disinvite you. Um, I did oh, a that's got to be of, disheartening. I mean, that has to be it's disheartening. It's costly. Too. I was in New Zealand a few years back working with Tear Fund. Tear Fund took a hit. People stopped supporting Tear Fund because they'd invited me. A college, Laidlaw College, had a donor pull money out because they'd invited me. So it's costly if you stand with people for justice, peace and reconciliation. World Vision, Tear Fund, many organizations, Christian Aid have suffered for that. So that's the third level. They will isolate you by intimidating others. Now, if that doesn't work, the fourth level is incrimination. They'll accuse you of criminal wow. behavior. So one, one occasion I gave a talk in our local university, a Christian union. I was invited to speak, and I just happened to leave some leaflets that were advertising my books. And, uh, you know, some of them were left. You know, students leave bits of paper of behind. Next day, knock on the door, two police officers. Uh, two did police? You, yeah. Did you put this out in the university? I said, Actually, I was invited to give a lecture in the university, and I, and I obviously gave out some leaflets about my books. Oh, sorry. Off they went. But wow, complaints sorry. are made, and then they'll say, uh, he's been investigated by the police. And then, so they will use that against you. Wow, wow. I'll give you one other example. Wow. There was this guy, this guy who was targeting us for years anonymously. He set up a website, Seismic Shock. Oh, so you know who he is now? I do now, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> Seismic shock to try and take out Sizer. Um, and for years he was blogging about me. It was anonymous. The police uh, had no idea who he was because it's, uh, this is harassment. This is stalking. You know, mm. they, it's very clear. And, um, but they couldn't do anything because they couldn't work out his IP address and so on. And then a friend who was a bit more sophisticated with um, Internet observed that an IP address was monitoring his website and then and mine and then the middle of the night and then they'd be writing an article about us on this website. So there was a correlation. We tracked it down to a university in London, uh, in, in the north of this England. This is you and your friend doing this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got the IP address and I figured out the phone number that was linked to that location. Wow. And so I thought, I'll email the guy. So he knows I know who he is. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, and that's I, cool. So I simply said, um, hi, this is Stephen. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And that's oh. all I said because I thought that that's should be beautiful. enough. Absolutely. Uh, I got an email back from a guy saying, thank you so much, but why are you praying for me? And I thought, well, I better elaborate a bit. So I said, well, this, this computer has been used to harass me, and I just wanted the guy to know, I'm assuming it's you, that, um, that I'm praying for you. Hoping I'm going to convict him. He said, well, actually, you've come through to the security department of uh, Huddersfield University. I think it was Huddersfield. I can't remember. Or Leeds. And so I told him what was happening. He said, this is serious. He said, you need to tell the police and we'll investigate. So they tracked down the computer. They identified who'd been using it those hours. They, They confiscated the hard disk. They informed the police who it was. The police visited this gentleman. 
And and they, the police told me they had visited a gentleman and they had warned him to stop doing it and he promised he apologised prompt to do it. I thought, fantastic, it's my done. ordeal is over. It's all done, we don't need to worry. Then, then a Joseph Weissman, that's his name, Obviously the Joseph, outs himself, yeah. outs himself <laughs> on the internet and accuses me of using the police to suppress freedom of speech. So I'm the guilty one. You see, you turn it right round. He thought I knew who he was. I didn't. So he thought I better out myself. And so he came out fighting. So I'm the guilty yeah. one. I, I, you know, I didn't put the police on him. I didn't know who he was. Nice. But that's how they were trying to so, incriminate him. So what was the you. outcome? Did he get um, He was warned, but he kept or? going. Uh, eventually, bless him, he did email me through an intermediary and he wanted to apologise. Uh, because he'd written to my the leaders in my church anonymously, and uh, and I, but he he wanted my forgiveness, and I said wow, I've forgiven you. Nice. I, I said I've forgiven you years ago. You're praying but for if, him. But if you're serious about this, you need to be explicit and go public. Since you were public criticizing me, it's no good just emailing me. You've got to go public and acknowledge what mm. you did. And he hasn't done that yet. Because oh. if you if you've done something wrong publicly. You and you're to, sorry, then you need to let you need people to know you're it. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the fourth level. The fifth level, I know you're dying to know what oh, the fifth I am, level actually. is. I wasn't sure whether I should ask. Uh, that's but that's I'm, either I'm, incarcerate or it's liquidate. And I can't find an I that meets with liquidate. But, yeah, they take people out. They do. Mm. This has been uh, Dr. Reverend Stephen uh, Sizer speaking uh, to Palestine, remembered. And we will have um, a few more minutes with this interview next week. And um, the very last uh, piece or segment on this episode uh, is a snippet, 30 seconds, from President Mahmoud Abbas's speech, especially the part when he was speaking about the full bias of the American administration to Israel and on the issue of settlements. Just in case you missed it. The Americans regard settlements as legal and this was said by more than one official, the first of whom was their ambassador in Tel Aviv, David Friedman, who said that the Israeli settlers are building on their land. This son of a dog building on the land, he is a settler from a settler family. This is the U.S. ambassador in Tel Aviv. What should we expect? With this, uh, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine Remembered. Thanks for being with us. Remember to tune in next Saturday, same time, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, this is Nasser, Robert and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam. <laughs>